Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, Alex Apple hanging out. It's Friday night. The weather is glorious. Well, it's not nighttime yet, but it's Friday afternoon. It might as well be Friday night. Why don't you just leave work now? you got my permission. Just go. Just start <laughs> go your weekend home. now. Just get out of there. Just get the heck out of there. And if your boss is like, what are you doing? You're like, well, first of all, I wasn't doing anything because I've been watching Blaine and Mickey on the computer for the last two hours. So, and then Buck before that, I've been on my computer all day. So I'm just going to leave because Alex Apple said I could. That's what you're supposed right, to say. Later, Mike guys. Wilson, <laughs> Mike Wilson, that doesn't apply to you, Lucas. you got to fly this plane uh, for the next few minutes. Mike Wilson, he would never leave early. He would never clock out early. He joins us at by Mike Wilson on Twitter, Knoxville News Sentinel. We're going to ask you for your observations, but we do have a caller, DJ, and this is the way we're going to do it. He's on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. We're going to let him ask the first question. So, DJ, say hello to Mike Wilson and what's your question? Hey, Mike, how you doing there? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. By the way, I am clocked out. I just left work. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it, boss, awesome, man. But what I want to ask is that last night and everything, when the, when the balls were uh, doing pretty good, you know, they were good in the first quarter and everything. But when they go to these three and outs and what have you in this up-tempo, what is going to help our defense or what can the Vols do in that situation that's going to help our defense to rest and be re uh, ready for the SEC play or during the season? I, I mean, I'll be quiet and hang up. Yeah, that's a great question. And that, that certainly is one of the things you looked at with Josh Heupel coming in is where his defense is ranked statistically. Um, and it's hard to judge those defenses because of exactly what you're talking about. When an up-tempo offense goes three and out, it, it's usually a minute or so of possession. Then the defense is back on the field. There's not really a recipe in terms of rest and, and recuperation for that. Your best bet is depth. Um, and Tennessee has that depth on the defensive line, I think. I think they can go too deep there. I don't know they have it at linebacker. Um, I think they might have it in the secondary, but they're going to have to find out on that. But, yeah, there's really no, no real answer to that. Uh, when there's back-to-back -back three and outs, all you can really do is have depth uh, because the if you've got kind of one string of guys that can play, you're going to be in trouble uh, if those three and outs stack up, which they definitely did in the second quarter yesterday. Mike Wilson, our guest from Knoxville News Sentinel. Let me ask you this, and this is an abstract question, so you just kind of divide it up however you think. And I wrote this down without even thinking about it, but here's the question. Did you leave the game last night with more questions or more answers than you walked in with? I'd actually say about the same. Um, you know, there were a couple pleasant surprises. I thought Theo Jackson was outstanding. Um, and that secondary is a group I've wanted to see play better. Um, I thought the wide receivers didn't play as well as I would have liked to see. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that was going to be the strength of the offense. But Jalen Hyatt had a couple really bad drops. Um, they weren't helped by quarterback play. And they also, in turn, didn't help quarterback play. Um, so offensively, probably more questions. Defensively, I think I left with more answers. Uh, so let's split it down the middle and say I kind of left not really knowing how much we actually know about this Tennessee team as a whole uh, after week one. Mike Wilson, our guest on Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 Zone. Mike, what defensively, uh, if anything, did your mind change about last night? Uh, I brought up the fact that I thought the defense needed to be more opportunistic if you're going to play so fast, creating some quick changes, turnovers, um, and trying to give yourself an advantage even after, yes, yeah, sometimes three and outs are going to put you behind the eight ball. 
um, being opportunistic is, is really your best chance behind that. Did anything that you expected to see from the defense um, not come to fruition last night or vice versa? No, I, yeah, I, like I touched on, the secondary I thought was really good. Um, it is a group, and this, this goes for the whole defense. It's not a group that forced a lot of turnovers last season. Uh, that's definitely an area that they have to improve in. I thought the pass rush was better than I expected. Um, but then again, Bowling Green, their offensive line, I think, was largely redshirt freshmen, freshmen and sophomores. Uh, so it's hard to know exactly how good that defensive line is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they didn't have any turnovers last night. I don't believe they had an almost interception that, that got overturned. Uh, the general mm-hmm. McCullough didn't quite catch. Um, but yeah, in terms of surprises, I, I thought the secondary was really nice. Uh, Alante Taylor had a couple of really good plays. I thought Trayvon Flowers was steady. Um, that, that group was good. And that group should be the backbone of this defense. Uh, so I, I think you'd like to see them rounded out with turnovers, but I thought they played pretty darn well last night and obviously didn't allow any points uh, apart from the two field goals. And I'm not around the program close enough to know. I don't know if you are or not. It's, if it's even really within our abilities to tell how vanilla was the offense last night. I mean, for a while I could tell they were running about three plays and disguising it 12 different ways and running the same thing over and over. Uh, but do you expect to see more dynamism? Could that have contributed to why it seemed to get a little stagnant there, uh, mainly in the second quarter and a uh, piece of the second half as well? You know, Tennessee was so crisp early um, with those, you know, scripted early drives. I mean, mm-hmm. the execution was there apart from that one missed throw from Joe Milton uh, downfield to Cedric Tillman. But it, it did get kind of stagnant. I don't know if I viewed it as much with the play calling as much as I did just a, a real lack of execution in that second quarter. Um, I, I thought Milton struggled a lot in that quarter um, in terms of reading the defense and, and making the throws that were necessary. But I thought after that, it was pretty clear. Tennessee just wanted to establish the run, and I, that's going to be the offensive strength. Now it looks like, I mean, Tyon Evans looked outstanding. Um, Jabari Small yeah. did too, but I, I think Tyon Evans looked like the, the starting running back moving forward late in the season. But yeah, I just kind of looked at it as Tennessee's just kind of rolling through this game business-like at a point. Uh, I mean, they didn't really try to throw a lot in the second half. But yeah, I mean, it, it was vanilla, um, but it, I mean, you also were playing arguably the worst program uh, in, in FBS. So it was just get out the game, uh, I think, at a point. But it's a big difference, too, if Jalen Hyatt catches 50 mm-hmm. yards of passes. I mean, and even in the second quarter, the big drop that stopped the, the – really, they had one drive. And then Bowling Green puts together two six-, seven-minute drives, quarters over. They ran – what was it, Mickey? Four plays at the end. They got seven plays total in the second quarter. They only had one drive, and Jalen Hyatt yeah. drops the ball. Um, I mean, maybe that uh, makes a big difference in how we're talking about this game if that one pass is completed. I think it does. And I think, too, you look at, at the two downfield throws that Joe Milton had to Cedric Tillman. Uh, you know, he missed that one in the first quarter. They still scored on that drive, though. So you kind of say, all right, well, still scored. Uh, but the missed one later uh, where Tillman dove and just missed it, I think that was the third quarter. Um, I mean, th- those plays at that point really change how you feel about this game uh, and specifically how you feel about Joe Milton. I mean, even if he converts one of those two, I think you feel a lot differently about that. But, yeah, I mean, th- th- there were plays right there that were left on the field, but I think what we know about this Tennessee team is they're not going to have a big margin for error in any any game against an SEC team. Uh, I mean, you're talking Missouri, Kentucky. Like, those are the games that Tennessee has to win if they want to reach a bowl game. 
so those are plays they have to make. And, you know, they didn't make them against Bowling Green. So you, you got to kind of see that, that jump forward and see if they can make those plays moving forward with Jalen Hyatt, Joe Milton, all those guys. Uh, Mike Wilson, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. It was interesting watching Milton because I know you guys up there, Mike, you get to see some of practice and then you got to see less or however all that went down. But the one thing I kept reading was guys were talking about how like his fastball was always coming at you. Like this guy is just throwing the ball. And I was just struck by he could be standing there flat footed in the pocket and flick his wrist and throw the ball 60 yards like the rest of us might, you know, throw an orange across the room to a buddy. His arm strength is phenomenal. But if you look, and, and I had written his stats down in three years at Michigan, he was 56.6% passer, and he had one more pick, I think, than he did touchdown. And he was kind of good with his legs at times, in a lot of ways, and, and a big arm. And in a lot of ways, Mike, that's kind of who he was last night. He was, he was who he had been. Uh, and I think that's 100% the case. The, the story I wrote after the game was, just, you know, you saw the tantalizing skills, but you also saw the maddening elements of, of Joe Milton. And, and that very much is his MO uh, from Michigan. I mean, you saw the arm, you saw the ability to run, uh, you, you saw just the physical skills, but you also saw the missed throws. You also saw the moments where he starts to run probably too soon uh, instead of keeping his eyes downfield. And those were certainly some of the knocks on him uh, in leaving Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, I think we saw a lot of the same skills. The question I've had all along and, and one I still feel isn't answered is, is this offense more conducive to make him a better quarterback uh, than what he was running up at Michigan, where there's more under center, uh, much more pro style with what Jim Harbaugh does, whereas this offense kind of breaks it down a little bit more simply to left, right. You, you kind of have a, an easier time reading it and, and getting the ball out. But I thought last night Joe Milton didn't get the ball out, instead ended up sitting in the pocket. Whether that's patience or not seeing the play, uh, it's hard to know at this point. But, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he, he kind of might be what he is, but you got to figure out a way to work within the offense with him. Well, that's what you're paying him to do, right? You want a duplication of the Lane Kiffin effort when he turned Jonathan Crompton into mm. not a total waste of our time and a really <laughs> good quarterback. You turned him into straight out of Crompton, yeah. Yeah, and Mickey, I think we've got some callers on the line too. Um, I want to give them a chance. Uh, sure, there. Chris from Chris from Murfreesboro. I, I, Mike, people just want to talk to you. We can't keep you from your popular public. guy. You know, there's a very for everything. Hey, no, man, you're very popular in Nashville, whether you know it or not. Good, and even in Murfreesboro, because that's where Chris is calling from with a question for Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Oh, going great. Uh, got to go to game last night. Uh, Everything was good. We came out with a win. But my question was, and we kept talking about with the vanilla offense, do you think any of that had to do with maybe just trying not to put a lot out there on film for when it comes time to play the SEC opponents? Yeah, I've never bought too heavily into, into that theory. Uh, I mean, people know what Josh Heupel's offense is. They, they can pull up years prior of what UCF has done. Obviously, different players, different skill sets you've got here, but I mean, to, to some extent, that offense is always going to look like what it is. Because, uh, I mean, teams, when you play these teams early in the season, they go back and look at years prior. They, they scout two, three years back. They've got game film on this. They kind of know what you're going to do. Uh, I mean, the SEC people, too, uh, I mean, th they can look back and see what Josh Heupel's done. They saw him at Mizzou. I mean, they've got a pretty good grasp of what he is. So, 
I think there's always an element of not putting a ton on film, but I don't know that I buy too extremely into that because uh, these guys are paid a lot of money to know what teams are going to do and, and what they're going to look like later in the season. How much more fun is Heupel's program going to be to cover than Jeremy Pruitt's? <laughs> Regardless of what their wow. record is. <laughs> that laughter. Uh, there's definitely a different air uh, in being around the program is the way that I'll say that. Uh, there's just, I mean, you've, in going to practices, you kind of feel a different attitude. Um, I don't know if there was a seriousness uh, being around everything with, with the Pruitt regime and the practices. And not to say there's not a seriousness with Josh Heupel, but it, it feels like the players are enjoying being on the field more. Uh, and that's definitely more enjoyable uh, as a journalist to, to be around when it seems like the people you're talking to are enjoying themselves. Uh, opposed to just kind of being slogged down and and going through it. Mike, one thing that stood out to me, and I've seen this, and we've all seen it, when a new coach or maybe a new play caller comes in, and they want to show you how smart they are. And that that's a tale as old as time. I don't care what level of football. Sometimes a guy's going to force his system so hard, and you think, gosh, if you just do this, the one thing that I liked most about last night was they took the second half kickoff and they ran the ball eight times and they ran it right down their throat because there were a bunch of people freaking out at halftime because it was 14 to six. He didn't panic. He didn't try to show everybody how smart he was. They ran the ball eight times right at Bowling Green and scored a touchdown in what, a minute and 40 seconds or something. And that's been a misconception around Heifel's offense is that it's all pass all the time. Right. They will run the ball. Uh, they did that at UCF. He, he did that at Missouri, too. Um, and it's clear that Tennessee has two very capable running backs in Tyon Evans and Jabari Small. Both of them had 116 yards last night. Both had a touchdown. Uh, that, that, that was impressive. Uh, and th that, again, is something that, that people have to realize about Heupel's offenses. They're going to get the ball to their skill players no matter what position it is. And it's clear that Tennessee has some options at running back. Uh, and, you know, small started last night. Evans got more run as the game went on. Uh, but Tennessee having both those options is really interesting because you saw Eric Gray and Ty Chandler leave. And those are two very talented players. And yet Tennessee seems like they might be fine uh, at running back despite those guys being gone. Uh, Mike, Mike Wilson with us from the next one. So I was thinking as I was sort of processing the game last night, I've come off of this thought a little bit that – that might have been a 52-point game. They scored 52 points. All of us are calling in today, talking about how much fun it is to watch the ball. So this is majoring the difference between 38 and 52, just from a mental standpoint. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm thinking, the difference between this output and the 52-point output might just be that Tennessee's playmakers on the outside, mainly at receiver, just are kind of mediocre. Not really game-breaking talents, and maybe that makes Joe Milton look the way he does, the offense look the way he does. And that's just going to be a fact of life this year. I mean, in watching these receivers, hearing about them in practice, getting a vibe from them in fall camp, do my expectations or what I'm describing live up to what you think of them? Well, you got to take into account that Jimmy Callaway is a guy they expect to play a key role this year. He didn't play last night. Bayless Jones has been kind of limited through camp. He didn't really play last night. Yeah. Those are two of their top six receivers. So it's hard to know exactly what that group looks like, but Jalen Hyatt should be the game breaking guy in that group. And he had a couple key drops as we've touched on, but on the other end too, 
Cedric Tillman had, should have had three touchdowns yesterday. Uh, I mean, there were two that were missed there. And we are talking about, I mean, if, if those two touchdowns are converted, they're in the 40s, if not the 50s. And at, at that point, you do feel a lot differently about this. But they also were a great Cedric Tillman catch in the fourth quarter away from this only being a 31-6 to six win. Yeah. So you kind of got to take it, take it both ways there. I do think the wide receivers are talented though. I do think that's a group that should make more plays. They whiffed last night though. And that was a combination of quarterback play. And that was a combination of some drops and some guys being out. Uh, so I guess we can't really make a full judgment on that group yet uh, until we probably see Bayless Jones get full, full run and also see Jimmy Callaway in there. Cause that was a guy who maybe as much as anyone uh, got a lot of good buzz uh, during the preseason. Mike, what's your biggest concern with Pittsburgh coming in? I, I think that is a fantastic test for this team to, to get Bowling Green first. He was terrible last year. So that'd be like playing a team of your twos and your threes if you're Tennessee. So you basically have to have a great scrimmage against twos and threes who were trying to beat you with different coaches. But you're going to get Pittsburgh. They're probably pretty darn even with you right now. That's a fantastic test coming up. What are your biggest concerns with the Panthers? Yeah, the concern is exactly the, the offensive execution for Tennessee because Pat Narduzzi is a defensive guy. Uh, yeah. Covered him for two years at Michigan State, and th- those defenses were absolutely insane. Uh, what he's able to do, he's, he's a great defensive mind. Uh, they typically are very good in the secondary, and, and that's exactly where Tennessee struggled uh, against Bowling Green. So you're facing a defense with more of a pulse, for starters, uh, that, that might actually be, be a reliable unit. Uh, and, and right away, Tennessee's got to get those points that they didn't get against Bowling Green. Uh, the places that the execution was bad, the margin for error is much different uh, now against Pitt. So, yeah, it would definitely focus on, on the passing game uh, going up against a, a really good defensive staff. And looking forward, it's not really, if they can beat Pittsburgh, out of the question that if you can play with Missouri and South Carolina – you're in four of the five games that you start with. You might be four and one. It is. It's, it's conceivable. That, that Florida game, obviously, going down there and the end of September is rough. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Pitt is the first game on this schedule that has to go Tennessee's way if they're going to reach a bowl game this season. I mean, this, this is one of those ones you look at. I think you look at Missouri and Kentucky as the other two. That Those are those swing games where Tennessee has to find a way. Uh, and you have to avoid – losing to South Carolina and Vanderbilt because uh, those realistically should be the, the lowest two SEC teams this season uh, that Tennessee faces. So yeah, but yeah, Pitt right away is a game that you say, all right, you're either looking at a, maybe a three and two start or a two and three start or a potential four and one start. And, and that's a huge difference. Once you get into that meat of the SEC schedule uh, to already have four wins under your belt. Absolutely, Mike. Great stuff. Uh, at by Mike Wilson on Twitter, of course, anywhere people want to consume the Knoxville New Sentinel, they need to do so. Always great catching up with you, man. Have a uh, have a great weekend. Enjoy a Saturday of not covering college football. Enjoy it. I am just sad I'm not in Jonesboro, Mickey. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too, because I would show you what a great time this place is. It's the Caribbean of Northeast Arkansas. Thank you, Mike. Thank y'all for having me. Yes, sir, Mike Wilson. On the way out, when we come back, we do this every Friday at 2.45. We're going to call our shot. You've got a shot that you want to call. Mark's Main Real Estate Hotline's open, 615-737-1045. Could be Tennessee-related. Could be Milton-related. Guess what? There's a full slate of college games this weekend. Maybe it's related to one of those games, whatever it is. Maybe it's Titans-related. They haven't talked to a whole lot of Titans today. Maybe you want to work some of that in. 
It's all up to you. Call your shot next on Blaine and Mickey. 